0: did you hear that thunder? (laughs) Wow. Psalm 23 is one of the most beloved, famous passages of literature, much less just Bible verses that almost everybody knows. I think one reason for this, and I love this series that we're doing, Shall Not Want, is because David wrote this out of a heart of experience between him seeking the Lord, him finding, God knew David. David, a man after God's own heart. We're going to be, if you have your Bibles, in Psalm 23. We're going to go through the first three verses tonight. But verse 3 is going to be our focus. This week, I saw a meme on Instagram, I think, or TikTok. And it was a guy in an office who was about to go, do the trust fall. You know what I'm talking when I say trust fall? It's it's an example for people, what trust really looks like. So you'll have one person standing with their eyes closed, a lot of other people that he's supposed to trust behind him. They count to three, and he falls. They catch him. He trusted them, and it worked. He stood up at the very front. They all stood behind him, and they said, one, two, three, and he fell flat on his face forward. <laughs> Sheep are not very smart, are we? Sheep... As easy as they are to control, they're docile. They can maneuver. You can easily get a sheep from there to here if you know where they are. They're crowd pleasers. Sheep will go with the flow. Sheep aren't known to be very intelligent creatures, yet we are told all through Scripture, even Jesus said, You guys. He made us like sheep. All who like sheep have gone astray, right? Every one of us are capable of falling flat on our face when we, all we had to do was fall backwards and we'd be caught. There's two characters in this passage. One, David calls his shepherd. The other, David calls himself a sheep. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to read through these first three verses and then we're going to break down a couple of incredible truths about the relationship between the sheep and his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want to stop right there. I want to pray, and we're going to keep going. Lord, there may be someone here tonight that just needs a fresh touch from you, that their soul might not feel Restored, But we, we know that like David wrote and prayed, that you go after your sheep, that you care about finding your sheep, you care about restoring your sheep and leading us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. So as we discuss your scripture, clarify it for us. Make it clear in our lives that we might follow in righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. The good shepherd, the very first point, there's only two points I want to make tonight. One is the good shepherd, the great shepherd, he wants to lead you. And me, he wants to restore us when we stray. He says in verse 3, the very first phrase restores my soul. The word restore there means to bring back, to draw back. That's what the Lord does to his sheep. Isaiah 53 6 says, All we like sheep are gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The world says, Follow your heart. God says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We, the last thing you and I should do is follow my heart. The Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of you and me. We've got to realize, first of all, that we are prone to wander. We're prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You Remember that old hymn? That was written on purpose because every one of us have been prone to wander. It's true for a lost person. It's true for a Christian. We are like sheep and tend to think the grass is greener on the other side. So we go to the other side to get grass, and we're wandering where we shouldn't be. Let's think about wandering for a few minutes. You just put yourself in danger when you're in a field that's not yours. Part of God's will, part of his desire, he says, sin will bring death. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. He wants to protect us, so he puts boundaries around us and says, Stay within those boundaries. He started with Adam and Eve, and they did what? Wandered outside the boundaries, and then there's consequences. The sheep, before we know it, can wind up in briars instead of green grass that tasted good because we were led away with the green grass. What happens is a word or a phrase that old English shepherds used to use, cast down, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But if a sheep is cast, they're helpless. They're laying on their back, feet in the air, waiting for time to tick until they're not there anymore. David talked about it in Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? His soul was like a sheep that he had taken care of, cast down. What is this term? When a sheep would get turned over, let's say I go, I'm a sheep, and I wander into the other yard, but I'm not familiar with that other yard, and I can't see past 10 feet in front of me. So I get to the other yard, and there's some potholes. I'm finished eating. I think I'm going to lay down. I'm going to have a rest. I lean over. Well, I weigh a lot on my back, don't I? My legs weigh nothing. Now my legs are up in the air, and I can't get them out from under me. I can't get them back under me. The ground wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. The surface of the ground caused me to get into a helpless situation. Now I'm in danger. Legs up in the air. I can't get myself up. I am cast down. David felt cast. Who who in here has felt that way? There is no hope for my financial situation. There is no hope for my marriage. There is no hope for you fill in the blank. When we lose hope, we are like a sheep cast down. It's pitiful. It's helpless. Your feet are flailing in the air, but there's nothing you can do about it. What happens when your feet are flailing? Coyotes can see that. It's pitiful. Well, there's a victim. I can get him. You're attracting vultures, cougars, any other predator you are vulnerable to. A cast sheep has no defenses. And what's worse... When they get turned over like that, their stomach begins to build up gases that cuts off the circulation to their legs, so even if they could get over, they couldn't walk and they'd fall back over. Philip Keller wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. He says this, On a warm day, sheep that gets cast can die in a matter of hours. If it's a cool day, it'll take several days. But now you have to be careful as a shepherd to keep your tabs on your sheep. Because if one strays away, he said, the first thought I had as a shepherd when I had a sheep stray was, oh no, I hope that sheep is not somewhere cast down. Because the clock is ticking. I won't get to it. It could die. We wander. We get in danger. The wages of that danger could be death to a marriage. Time is ticking. We are prone to wander, you and I. When we wander, we're in danger. You ever notice how easy it is to wander? Keeping up with the Joneses will make you wander. Now I'm not going to church. I'm working a lot harder so that I can... Stop being upside down. Funny, huh? I'm upside down financially, so I've got to do the right thing, avoid spiritual things, to play God. I'm the good shepherd. I'll be fine. And we wind up upside down. What we forget is our value system is goofed up. When we wander, it's because we weren't solid before we wandered. We got something in our mind, and it carried us away. God wants us to worship him and use things, yet many people worship things and use God. Isn't that true? We were made to worship, but the expression you might have heard is Americans, more than anything, worship work, play at worship. We worship work. Work at play and play at worship. I work hardest at playing. I worship my work because that's what affords it all. And if I worship at all, if I worship the Lord at all, well, that'll be here and there. When we wander, the good news, He loves us anyway. There's grace, and he goes after us. So even if I'm doing, if I'm wandering, he's looking. Philip Keller said the good shepherd would always count his sheep. So he knows that there were 100 before the one left, so Jesus, I'm going to go after the one. the 99 are okay right now. He'd do that on a regular basis. The good shepherd would do that, count them on a regular basis, To make sure one wasn't lost. And if he found one was lost, his first thought was, I hope it's not cast down. We have to realize that the good shepherd is the good news for us. That he does look out for us. But that doesn't mean it's okay to wander, does it? The Lord is the good shepherd. Jesus said in John 10.10, I am the good shepherd. He is the shepherd of Psalm twenty three that David was writing about, Jesus Christ. Luke fifteen four says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one, doesn't leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it. The good shepherd searches for you and I until he gets us. And he wants us to search for him so that fellowship remains strong, and we don't want to leave our yard because we are happily fed knowing that we are in good hands of the good shepherd. Just because someone has more on the other side doesn't mean they are better off than me. Contentment often starts with our spiritual walk, doesn't it? If I'm content with my relationship with the Lord, then I'm doing more than being content in my marriage. I'm pursuing my relationship with my wife. I am gardening my yard. I am shepherding my family because I have followed the good shepherd, making me a good sheep. It's not a matter of checking boxes. It's a matter of being on our watch, sober-minded. Everything that we do, the greatest commandment, seeking the Lord my God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because David realized that later on, he was going to not only wander, but cause major problems when he wandered. The death of another man would come from David's lackadaisical spiritual condition, didn't it? His mind got lazy He wasn't at war when he was supposed to be. He wandered, and he got himself into a mess. Trouble for the rest of his life, and still a man after God's own heart. The Good Shepherd, what I found, and what David begged, was that he is not disgusted when he finds us. Sometimes we get the idea that the good shepherd's going to go find you, he's going to go look for you, and then everything's going to be okay. Hmm, what about the consequences? Or we think that the good shepherd is going to find us, and when he does, he's sick and tired of dealing with us. So out of pride, out of grief, out of frustration over myself, why do I continue to do this? I hate myself. I came down here last week and prayed, and the week before and prayed, and the week before, and I knew that I was supposed to do what I did, and I cannot break this. I must be difficult for God to deal with. I hate myself. God, the good shepherd, is not like that. That is me or you being frustrated. I have a 1987 Bronco. I love that thing. I want to restore it completely. But I have limited funds. What happens is, is I look at this list and I go, well, the motor's good. All the big things are good. So, you know what? I just give up. I'm throwing my, I'm just going to deal with it the way it is. I don't have the funds. I know what the list is. I can easily get frustrated trying to restore. We, as humans, restore all kinds of things that we're interested in but we won't allow God to restore us. The Bronco has no say in it. I can go out and do whatever I want. I could put a brand new dashboard on that thing if I wanted to. I just need Skipper to give me some money. (laughs) God has the cattle on a thousand hills, yet I don't believe it. Why is he upset and laying down the gavel and wants to throw me out of his yard because he's sick and tired of dealing with me? That is incorrect. The grief that you experience is often unwarranted. The devil is planting that in your mind. There would be a ton of rebuke if, it was, if I were God, right? Right? Who in here has kids, grandkids, most of us? The more, not the less, you love them, the more patience you get, the more you reveal yourself to you about how not patient you were to start with. It's frustrating dealing with sheep, isn't it? God comes not just with a tone of rebuke, Correction, sternness, but one of tenderness. Restoration is, hey, uh, this thing has been rusted for a while, and I'm going to need a hammer, and we might have to grind this off. There's going to be a little bit of pain that's involved, but it's going to be okay. He picks up the sheep holds the sheep I love the sheep this is my sheep I'm glad I found you and it wasn't too late you were cast down but I found you in time so in time I pick you up don't go back over there again okay yes sir (laughs) right we still do But 100% of the time, our Lord dusts us off. And we are always one prayer away from forgiveness, from restoration. Peace is something that we look for. And because we're looking for peace outside of God's bounds... We won't find it. Perfect peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Because perfect peace isn't what they're looking for. When you and I are looking for the God of the universe and we find him, we get perfect peace. We get our cup to runneth over. We aren't prone to wander. God doesn't restore us with disgust, with disappointment in his voice. He doesn't say, you did it again. I'm sick and tired of you. Don't believe it. The good shepherd comes in to love and restore his sheep. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 15, verse 5, when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. That's beyond being disgusted, isn't it? That is not only not being disgusted. That is praising. He is happy and rejoicing that he's found the sheep. Verse 6, he says, when he comes home, he calls all his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. It's a perfect picture of the prodigal son, isn't it? The dad... Goes against culture, runs out to the son, pulling his his girdle up, if you will. It wasn't proper for a man to run. Runs to his son. Grabs him and brings him back. Slays the fatted calf. There's nothing that he could have done. We don't get right and then go to church, do we? We go to meet God, and he gives us sandals for our feet. He puts the cloak, the the robe of royalty on you. He washes us white as snow immediately. And in his love, he throws a party with the 99 for the rest. The good shepherd wants to restore us. Pride. Pride. Too proud to call unto the Lord? You can't write yourself. We have to realize that when I was cast out and I was in the wrong yard and I was upside down and I was hopeless, I forget, don't I? I forget that when I was there, I couldn't fix myself. So why in the world do I think that when I get back, I can just start all over again and try and stay in line myself? We don't behave our ways to heaven. We stay in fellowship with God, allowing Him to write us by revealing Himself to us and thus just obeying Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So I don't give because I got money and I think it's the right thing to do. He told me to. If my finances are out, maybe it's because there's some pride in me that doesn't want to deal with what I have formerly believed outside Jesus' instruction for me? Am I waiting to do the right thing? Then that area of my life is not going to be blessed by God. We cannot right ourselves in the wrong yard. There is far more grace, though, in God's heart than there is guilt in your past. This is what I love because I could sit and think about the things that I've done 30 years ago, 25, 40 years ago. Hang on to those things. Never move forward. Forget the forgiveness that actually was granted. That he found me and that it's time to move on. Let the past be in the past. Let the grief that hinders you, let the guilt that hinders you and the pride Leave it there. Leave it in the past. There's a lot more grace in God's heart. Maybe there's a divorce you didn't choose. Maybe legal issues you can't shake. Bad report from the doctor. You may have convinced yourself that that condition is helpless. You have a shepherd that not only can fix that condition, but what we, what we don't realize is that the divorce that may have come from me having a sick soul, the abortion, the, the thing that I have grief about could be founded that I haven't forgiven myself for, but I asked him for forgiveness, and he granted it to me, but I can't let it go, so I cannot move forward. You are forgiven! On the cross, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he was talking about David Tippins, all of his sins for all of his life. And when you put that into perspective, you realize how much you could not do except receive. His perfect love for you, not only does it remove the pressure, but it gives us a perfect perception of who our good shepherd really is. It makes it easier for me today to lay down things and be less selfish Because I'm motivated by the love of the God that wants to keep me in the yard. His yard. And that my sins from birth until death are forgiven. There's mess ups that I'm going to still do. And they're taken care of. There's consequences I don't have to face by staying in my yard though. Right? I think Jesus goes and gets us keeps us, and he's got all the money in the world to make that Bronco perfect. (laughs) So every redneck yells at me when I go through Tillman's Corner. It's fantastic. (laughs) Second point, the good shepherd wants to lead you. He wants to restore you, and he wants to lead you. Every day, God just doesn't lift us up from the wrong path, he, he says go that way because it's the right way, but he's not leading you just to somewhere. He's leading you from somewhere. I can't be following the good shepherd and a bad shepherd at the same time, can I? The good shepherd not only feeds his flock, but he leads his flock. He'll provide for you. He'll guide you. The problem is we can't see him because we have poor vision. Sheep, like I said before, can't see but 10 feet in front of them. So you've seen that other meme, I hope, on the Internet, where the sheep gets carried out of a ditch that's like five feet deep, set on the ground by his shepherd, and takes off, bam, and heads straight back into the same ditch immediately. That's us. He can't see. He's scared. He's freaking out. So he just reacts to life. If we react to life, what are we going to do? Respond to this stuff. To everything down here that could affect us, I'm going to respond to my neighbors, not follow my leader. I need to be focused 100% on following my shepherd. The poor vision inhibits How much I can see. When I had a landscape business, you would not believe uh, when I would tell people how to cut grass, you'd see these lines like this. Just a simple yard like this, they'd go all over the place. It was like, I can't believe you just did that. Do you see what I see? They wouldn't see it, then I'd redirect them and then say, how do you make that line straight? Don't look here, look there. Look at the end, don't even look down, follow the line, and they'll get to the other end and it's perfectly straight. We are so short-sighted that we cannot see down there. God is above us and he sees everything. I used to love those puzzles that we did when I went to Shoney's when I was a little kid and You'd start here and in there. It was a maze, if you will. So think of your life as a cornfield. You're in the beginning, but you can't see. Everything's corn, and you're just going to run into a wall after wall after wall after wall until you get to the end, if that ever happens. Or somebody has to come get you out because you are totally lost. All you have to do is look up, and when God goes that way, you go that way. When he goes that way, you go that way. When he goes that, you, go, you follow the finger of God. We don't spend enough time focusing on looking at God, spending time with him to know which way to go. Our challenge is that. When the shepherd leads his sheep up to the right path, at the same time he's leading you away from something dangerous so that you aren't cast down. He gives you specific commands in his word, and he's not going to counteract those for your life so that you can be the exception. We do not take liberal theology or progressive theology and offer it to God and expect him to bless us. This isn't about liberal theology or... This is simply about... What did Jesus say? What in his word is okay with him? Do I know that I know that I know that I belong to him? Anything outside obedience to Christ is rebellion and going the other way, looking for another yard. So it's important that we know that his standards are his standards. And he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. No matter what I interpret what I think his standards are. But how many people have you talked to in a life group somewhere? Well, that's not how I see it. That's not how I see it. How do you see him? Not how do you see it? What does he What is he showing you about himself? If he's your shepherd, you see him pointing. And you don't argue. We in our pride argue way too much. I want you to put these two verses down. Proverbs 4.18 The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Proverbs 12.28 In the path of righteousness is life, and in the pathway there is no death. Pretty amazing. It's different from the wages of sin is death, isn't it? There is one way that sheep can see the shepherd so they can follow him, and that's just staying close to him. We need to take our time in Scripture seriously. He can only lead us if we are looking and listening. To him, Amen? I'm going to conclude with these words. Again, he restores my soul, David writes. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We have to do a few things. Number one, we have to remember our shepherd's name. The Lord, he restores the Lord in verse 1. That is your shepherd was YW? Yahweh, four consonants. Jews could not say it for fear of using the Lord's name in vain. It wasn't my buddy. Jesus is my best buddy or whatever. We cannot downplay the God of the universe when it comes to who he really is. How awesome he really is. He should be feared, revered, trusted. You take everything that you've ever thought and known and throw it out the window if he says otherwise. Look and seek him. Remember his name. Remember you bear his name. You and I, if we have said, Jesus, you are mine. I am yours. I surrender my life to you. When you bear the name of Jesus, the world around knows. I had a friend at one time. People would know that he wasn't exactly right with God. He would say, I'm a Jesus freak. I remember thinking, no, you're just a freak. (laughs) We had done Bible studies together. As time went on, people knew him as the guy who was cheating on his wife. Who was saying that he was a Jesus freak. We give Jesus a black eye when we live like the world. And we aren't content with the yard that we are in. And we tell the world we don't trust him by what we do. And try and please them instead of him. What's your relationship like, and how do other people see you? People will make their own determination about the shepherd based on the sheep. Who is following? What is your conduct? It's easy to wander away. The Lord comes after us. He'll restore you. He'll guide you to glorify, this is the last point, his namesake. It's for him. No matter what you think, he loves you with all of his heart. He's searching for you. He's looking for you. And I would say that this is a time that we make sure we are right with him. Am I in the right yard is the question for us tonight. I'm going to ask James to come up. We're just going to worship like we usually do. If you need a prayer for anything. But before... I just want to invite you to bow your heads close your eyes and I'm going to ask a question who's your shepherd? we can say that God's my shepherd Jesus is my shepherd I'm a Christian but then who's really my shepherd? one thing's true either he is or he isn't and if he is am I following my shepherd? am I in the right yard? and are we in good fellowship? if I'm not You can settle that tonight. If you don't know Christ and you want to, you simply pray a prayer, simply like this Lord, I don't really know you, but I want to. I've known about you. The Bible says this that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be in his yard. I'm going to ask that if you pray a prayer like that, if you want to, just pray it simply with me right now. Lord, I don't, want, I don't know you, but I want to. Forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner, and I want you to be my shepherd. I believe that Jesus died for me. If you prayed that prayer, I'd ask that you just share that with me the end of the service, if you feel like you're in the wrong yard, Lord, we want to stay in the right yard. We are here because we believe that you are God and we are not. So Lord, I ask that you would guide us, that you would thank you for constantly seeking to restore us, to lead us in your paths of righteousness. Away from our own paths of unrighteousness. All of it for your name's sake. Lord, as we leave, we want to leave changed and consistent. Thank you for hearing our prayers and never giving up on us. We're staying in your yard. In Jesus' name we pray.